charts and graphs, graphs and charts. Over the course of this pandemic, haven't we all sort of become armchair experts in reading and trying to interpret the data, just trying to peer our way through all this deluge of information that is coming our way when we're trying to analyze COVID-19. But Omicron has completely changed the book. I mean, for so long, if you listen to the radio program, we'd come on, I'd tell you the case counts, then I'd tell you not to worry about the case counts because it's the overall case counts and percent positivity or some other number that you should look at. And now none of it matters anymore because well, the case counts are irrelevant. The percent positivity is irrelevant. Okay, well, that's for me. I'm a layman. Well, what about for the mathematicians, for the experts who are trying to track what is going on with Omicron as it continues to sweep through the community? My next guest is a mathematics professor at Memorial University of Newfoundland and Labrador, Dr. Amy Herford. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So, Tell me, what has the role been of mathematicians in trying to map out how the pandemic has been going? So mathematical models can make two kinds of contributions, uh, short-term forecast models where you're interested in, say, what's going to happen over the next two weeks. And that's been really helpful for forecasting healthcare demand. And then you also have scenario models. So questions might be uh, around what's likely to happen if we open schools. And so those are often longer term models. Sometimes we talk about these as the kind of models that are intended to be a self-defeating prophecy where uh, the model shows kind of a worst case scenario. And the idea is to use that to motivate the population to act in a certain way so that a catastrophe doesn't get realized. Well, that's interesting because there's been so much criticism and people say, oh, every time I you know, hear the information from the science advisory table or we get the modeling, it's always you know, this many cases and it never gets there. Is it just, it, do you think that's the right way to communicate with the public? So the, I think there's two things. You wanna really distinguish between the short-term forecast models and the long-term forecast models that are considering scenarios. So the short-term forecast models and, and we, we see these, these are really, these are like weather forecasts. These are intended to be correct. These are intended to give the correct number of future case counts and the correct amount of hospitalizations. So those models, I think it's a matter of understanding what the purpose of the model is. Um, other models that are over a longer, a longer time frame are to explore scenarios. And, and part of doing that is to understand what you don't want to happen, right? As well as what you do want to happen. So I think uh, it is good in decision-making for people to consider what's going to happen if I do A, B, C, or D. So you, you explore the range of possibilities, but for the public, you need to understand how you should be trying to understand what the modelers are doing. Is it a short-term prediction that's ex expected to be correct? Or is it that you're trying to understand what are the different consequences and, and make a decision based on that? All right, let's get to today and a situation where the case counts are meaningless. We don't really know. We're, we're checking the wastewater, trying to figure out whether or not, whether we're at the peak or not. What a weird world we live in. So what does that mean for, you know, the mathematical, exp, you know, explanation of what's going to happen next if you don't have that data anymore? Yeah, so that has been hard. You know, we'd spent all of the pandemic being used to having case counts to rely on to do the modeling. And uh, with Omicron, it happened very quickly that the PCR capacity for most provinces got exceeded. And now we're trying to work off of other sources, hospitalization, 
uh, wastewater. So yeah, it's it's a challenge. Um, we're kind of lucky where I work in Newfoundland and Labrador. We are still testing quite widely with PCR. It's just people who are symptomatic contacts of cases that are asked to not PCR test. So it has been a little bit easier for, for the modeling that I do specifically because it's for Newfoundland and Labrador, but it's, it's a challenge. It's been described as, as flying blind and it's really hard to obviously make comparisons across Canada because if you have, you're comparing to Newfoundland and Labrador, which has quite low uh, percent positivity, uh, you compare that with other provinces that are, are testing, you know, only people who are over 65 or over 70, you're comparing apples and oranges and you can't really get a sense of how they compare anymore. So those national numbers are largely irrelevant, irrelevant because of that? I think so. I mean, all the modeling that's done now, you can't just take reported cases. What it means for uh, to be defined as a case has a different meaning in different countries and different provinces. And so you are you do need to come up with some way to correct for that difference if you want to make cross province comparisons. That's the number one misconception about what you do in terms of COVID that people have, you think? Um, so I, I'm a population biologist. And so like I study the spread of disease through populations. It's a really relevant skill for trying to make decisions in the pandemic. I think that the misconception I think is that mathematics is uh, it's well, it's, you know, people do models and they turn out wrong. So math is useless or that all models are wrong. Uh, we hear that a lot. I think the misconception is just how strong the contributions for mathematics have been throughout our pandemic understanding. When we first heard about Omicron, it was a mathematical modeling contribution that made us aware that even though potentially it was less severe, we were still in a situation where healthcare capacity was very likely to be overwhelmed because the sheer number of cases was gonna be so high. And so even if a smaller percentage of those were hospitalized, that would still be a very large number. So uh, I think people are really quick to say all models are wrong and uh, you know not follow up with the people who made them uh, to, to get more clarification on just exactly what the intended message is. And uh, you know it's a two-way process. It can be changed and adapted and you know we can work with public health officials. Uh, Amy, that, that's fascinating and, and illuminating. Thank you so much for your time today. Very much appreciate it. Please be well. Thank you.